Bottom of the fifth inning. Speaking of home runs, there's a long drive. That ball is out of here. Home run, Daryl Strawberry. That ball may have hit the lights up there. It may have hit the top of the stadium. I think it did. Daryl slowed down. I can't believe it. Boy, has he hammered the ball today. First game of the season for the Mets. This ball hits the top of the stadium. Well, we've got an interesting podcast for you today. Hi, everybody. It's the Check Your Brain podcast. Tony Mazur with you. And a couple of uh, very notable guys that, uh, if you're a sports fan, especially a, well, especially a baseball and a basketball fan, and a couple of them, but we're not really talking about baseball. We're not really talking about basketball. I do ask a question about it, but it's a little more about their journey after their careers. The first one is Daryl Strawberry. Now, you know Daryl Strawberry. He is uh, was one of the great New York Mets players. I, I would think that if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore of great New York Mets, you probably have to put, well, Tom Seaver's up there. I think you have to put Daryl Strawberry up there. And uh, you know, what? Uh, I would assume, hmm, maybe David Wright. And do I say Mike Piazza? Do you, are they around that long? But either way, whatever. Maybe Doc Gooden you might throw him up there. Uh, but, you know, great New York Mets of all time and one of the great players of the 1980s and into the 90s. Hall of Fame possible career with him. He's a guy that he can hit the ball a country mile. He could catch the ball, throw the ball. Really was a five-tool player in a lot of ways. And uh, his career was just starting to get derailed by injuries and substance abuse. He had, got, had been suspended for cocaine in 1995. Um, really just wasn't the same player after he left the Mets. But still had a nice ending of his career and won three titles in four years. Um, but it's what he's done after his playing career that we talk about. His journey to finding God and uh, his third book that he put out, Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. And so make sure you go check that out. So that is the first podcast, or first part of this podcast. And then the second part, which is about a half hour into this, I'll put the timestamp in the description there, is with Don Chaney. Now, Don Chaney, he's the only man, by the way, to play professional basketball with Bill Russell and Larry Bird. But before he became a, he was a player and he played with the Celtics and uh, he also coached the the Clippers, the Rockets, the Knicks, and the Pistons at one time. He's a he's a really good defensive player. But uh, uh, what he's had since then is something called uh, ATTR-CM. He's going to talk about it a little bit. So go check that out halfway through the podcast, or but I'd say about you know about maybe thirty two minutes into the podcast here, and uh, my interview with Don Chaney. So I hope you enjoy this. This is a two parter today because they were both on media tours and really couldn't have much time to talk. So I got a chance to combine both of them. So we talk a little bit more. It's really an outside the lines type of interview. So the first part with. Daryl Strawberry, and the second part with Don Chaney. Hope you enjoy it. Runner holes and the pitch is swung on, set high and deep for right field. Right center field, going back and David, it's gone. Daryl Strawberry with the two-run shot here on the bottom of the ninth inning, and the Yankees win it 3-2. I'm pleased to bring in my next guest right now, and he's somebody that, if you're a sports fan, I don't care if you're, you're, you're not, you don't even have to be a baseball fan. You know this name. You know his batting stance. You know what he was able to do, especially back in the days for the New York Mets. It's Daryl Strawberry. And Daryl Strawberry, 
uh, I, I get an opportunity. I'm getting an opportunity to talk to him because he's really taken on a new career and a new lifestyle. So you think of Daryl Strawberry, the the athlete from the Mets and played with the Dodgers and he was with the Yankees and uh, a brief time with the Giants, but he's also taken on a new career in the last almost 20 years now uh, as being an author and being somebody who's uh, really found himself and found himself through the church and through God. And he has a new book out. It's called Turn Your Season Around, How God Transform Your Life transforms your life. And uh, Daryl, thanks for being on here. And I, 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 this is, uh, what, uh, book number three, right? Uh, yes, it is. Um, and this is probably the best book um, here. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's what's interesting about this was, and, and getting a chance to read the book and listen to your journey, I've heard some of your speeches and some of uh, your appearances at, at different congregations. And I think a lot of people at the beginning were probably skeptical because they're like, oh, Daryl Strawberry's found God. Well, we'll see how long this lasts. And then it has lasted, and it's going to continue. And from what I've heard, this isn't just something that you're doing right now that, oh, you know, maybe this is this time in my life. You're going on and continuing this, and you're doing—honestly, you're doing—you're really doing God's work, what you've been doing for the last 20 years now. Yeah, this is the best part of my life, like I said before. Um, writing this book, Turning Your Season Around, How God Transformed Your Life, it's just a book that teaches people that God really does transform your life if you allow yourself uh, to spend quality time and make a commitment. And you know, I've been in this for 20 years, and like you said before, so many people uh, have written me off and said, well, you know, yeah, well, let's see how long this will last. And you know, a lot of people said that, you know, when they come into a church, well, let me go hear them. I'm, you know, this guy talk about baseball's career and his, his downfalls, but when they come in there, it's a whole different story. And, you know, I'm talking about the goodness of God and, and they realize that it's real. It's, it's not a game. And, you know, I, I think we play the games of life. Like I played baseball for 17 years and people look at that and think, well, you have the life. Uh, today, I have a better life than I had in baseball. I, I get to do more. I get to have a bigger impact. It's a bigger stage uh, to be able to win souls, uh, help you know, so many people from different areas of phases of life, you know, with addiction, you know, helping that area, um, you know, the lifestyle of living in the center, I help in that area because God, you know, transformed me and pulled me out of that lifestyle that I used to live in. And, you know, helping people with opiates and heroin addiction is a big part of who I am. And because I'm in recovery for a long time, me and my wife, and we did do a lot of work in that area to leading people to Christ. You're from Los Angeles. You get drafted and you spend a large chunk of your career in New York. I mean, not just with the Mets, but with the Yankees as well. So you spent the better part of the, the 80s and the 90s in New York, and then you eventually head on down to Florida. But I was I was listening, and what you kind of mentioned in the book is you live, you're in St. Louis now. You moved to the Midwest. So you're a coast. You spent most of your life on the coast Yet you went into the middle of the country. How has that been for you from being a somebody who was a, a pro athlete and an all-star uh, for, for all those years and just, you know, and, and being kind of that center of attention to now you've moved to the Midwest and transformed your life? Uh, how's that uh, process been in your life? The process has been incredible. The Midwest is simple. Uh, it's easy living. Uh, you know, don't have to live in the big city. Uh, I wouldn't want to live in California right now anyway, the, th the way things are out there. So uh, we have a we have a lot 
a lot of opportunities just to be real people, I think, in the Midwest. And I'm so grateful uh, for the opportunity that God has given me to bring me back to this place, uh, St. Louis, because I live in Florida, too. And he brought me and my wife, Tracy, back here because this is our hometown. And, you know, we just get to do great kingdom work. And, you know, it's, I get to travel everywhere. You know, I, I'm an evangelist and I travel to all these different places, you know, so I get to see all kind of people and I get to see the difference of people who live family ways like in, in the Midwest and who live for other things in bigger cities. They live for money, they live for fame, they live for notoriety, but the people in the Midwest don't live that way. So you're, uh, you get a chance to talk to different people all the time, and people have reached out to you, and you've reached out to those people with addiction or with uh, any kind of substance abuse or maybe thoughts of suicide or self-harm. And so you've, you've kind of talked to a new generation of people and, and a different group of people, but in the same way, you also have a certain amount in human nature. We cut people out of our lives and that we have certain people who are just, you know what, look, you're not doing anything positive for me. What was, was that a big process for you to see that wherever it was in Florida or New York or LA, that there were certain people that you had to cut out or was it a temporary cutout? And then you say, look, I can't, this just has to be for me right now. I need to get myself better. And maybe you can down the road too, and then we can kind of come back together. Uh, talk about that process of of dealing with different people, whether you have to cut them out or add them to your life. Well, the process is cutting people out, and you got to cut them out. There's no coming back. You know, there was no coming back for me when I uh, made the decision to cut people out, and I, that I would leave, and I was going in a different direction, and my direction would be with God. I wasn't living for worldly things anymore. I was going to live for the kingdom of God, and I was going to do God's work. And I was going to help people. So uh, all those people that are so-called friends, uh, if they really was friends, when you make a change, and they should still be your friends. And I only have a few of those, you know, that are that are in my life that that's close to me and that I grew up with too, you know, that are close to me. But most people are just there for the time of who you are and what you have and what you're doing, and they want to ride with you. But when you start talking about God, people start to scatter. And so um, that's what I've seen in a lot, you know, a lot of, lot of, lot of people that were in my life. When I started talking about the love of Jesus, started preaching the gospel, most people were scattered and gone in a different direction. And then during the pandemic, so we're we're still dealing with COVID nineteen, and and you know, vaccine distribution at this time is is out there and everything, but there's still a long process. And one of the side effects that has happened during the pandemic has been the isolation, which has led to depression, which has led to uh, substance abuse. And uh, I mean, during this whole time in the last year now, I've had friends of mine who were sober who just say, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm cracking open a beer, I'm a bottle of gin just to get me through the weekend until work starts because I have nothing else to do on the weekends. I can't see family, I can't see friends, I can't do any of this. And then there are people, of course, we've, especially here where I'm broadcasting from in, in Akron, we've had a, an opioid epidemic the last decade. And it's it's it continues. It just continues at this time. How how difficult has your, uh, I guess uh, you know your ministry and what you've been able to do in the last year? Uh, I'm assuming you've had to do a lot of virtual stuff, a lot of uh, Zoom conferencing and everything. But how how has this uh, this last year changed in your journey? Well, the last year has changed for all of us, and it's it's part of part of being able to deal with what what comes along, you know, and what has come along in life is the pandemic. And, and you hate to see so many people um, go back and start using and that have a problem with addiction. 
uh, and drinking. Uh, you hate to see that happen, but you know that's the problem with uh, people not having a true foundation in God. You know, and I think you know me having a foundation and just saturating myself in the Bible during these times. Uh, has allowed me to grow even more. So uh, you separate yourself from the television, watching the news, and separate yourself from social media and interacting with that. I think when you do that and you utilize, you know, your platform for good, you stay in good. You you create who you are, and you talk about the good. You don't talk about you don't talk about the things that are going wrong because it's always be, things that are going to go wrong. But I just don't interact with that, so I don't get that in my spirit. I think people get disturb, disturbed inside their spirit. And they allowed the um, earthly things to take over them. So I prefer, you know, just stand spiritually sound and and biblically um, principle um, grounded in everything that I do. So I won't, um, you know, so I, so I won't, you know, fall into any other traps. Yeah, and I've struggled with that myself in the last year. It's not I don't have an addictive personality, so uh, you know I can. You know, I'll have a I'll have a beer or two, or I'll do dry January, and either way, it doesn't really affect me. But what I have struggled with as a Christian in the last year, with churches closing, and you kind of, it, it, I guess, in some way, you lose a little bit of faith in humanity when you start looking at you know whatever happened at the at the Capitol building, and you know whatever with elections or just the things that you've seen in the last year from what you see in the media, and kind of part of that is, and what, what kind of sucks for me is this being somebody in the media is that it's it's difficult for me to turn it off to to just go look if I just shut the TV off. If I, whether I'm reading the Bible, reading different passages, or I'm just in in my own isolation and praying and talking to God, that it, there's been that difficulty in the last year for me personally, and I'm, I'm sure for millions of other people in America, where you are people of faith, but there's you just feel almost helpless. Is anybody listening to me? And it's it's always that that struggle session. And I, I, you know, me personally, even to this day, I'm still struggling with that and trying to get through that. And I'm sure a lot of people have probably felt the same way and have asked you for guidance with that as well. Yeah, well, I, you know, faith is, the, faith is the most important thing. You can't lose sight of faith. You know, you, like, like I said, most people get consumed with everything else because they're watching television, they're listening to all the wrong things. Uh, your answers are not going to come from that. Your answers are not going to come from social media. Your answers will come from the Bible. And that's what people have to run to. We run to all these other things to try to make us feel better, and it's impossible for them to make us feel better. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, it's not seen. That's what faith is operating. People don't understand scriptures. That's why they're not victorious. You know, I live a victorious life because of the Bible. I don't live a victorious life because there's anything great about Daryl Strawberry. It's the Bible. It's what's great about God's word. It's there. It's been there. The problem is, it's like the Bible said, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. People don't have knowledge and understanding of the Bible. That's why they're not having the joy, even in the midst of the storm of life right now. You, you can have joy in every season of your life if you know the Bible and you study God's word. See, I study God's word instead of listening to the news and getting opinions from what we want to see there, you know, because what we see there is we see darkness. You know, when we watch that, it's everything is, everything is darkness. It's, it's broken, broken generation, lawlessness, everything that we're seeing in the nation is what the Bible said it would be. So, uh, you know, I think people got to grab a hold of getting closer to God by spending time with God. If you don't spend enough quality time with God, you're going to feel empty on the inside. And it's the interpretation too, is that, 
we you know there's there's different sects of Christianity, and you you try to find what is right for you and what feels. And sometimes it's not going like you're going to find out a lot about yourself that you may not like, but it's part of that learning process. And I think what happens is is that with with the internet and with the accessibility to just anything from you know just you know what you think are silly videos to to different uh, aspects of the news or even pornography is another bad one is. It's right there, and the the possibility where you have you could have your bookshelf next to you, and you, you see the Holy Bible is right next to you. Yet you're on your computer, and you can do God knows what by basically two clicks of a mouse. And it's that it's that feeling of of giving in. It's that don't get behind me, Satan mindset that I think a lot of us really need to try to work on, especially going forward, as we hopefully are coming out on the other side of this pandemic, that we can kind of wake up and just go, look, what is most important here is, is, is my online presence, is my Instagram account, is, is, is this what's important, is this, is this clout good for me? Or what it what is it that it's going to get me through the rest of my life? And for somebody who is an eight-time all-star, it, you you seem to be right now the happiest you've been, and you've tr- you denied yourself of those temptations because it really gets better on the other side. Oh wow, it gets a hundred and ten percent better. See, you know, you don't you don't fall into the foolishness. I think so many of us get consumed with the foolishness instead of what is really right. You know, to do right takes discipline, just like to play ball train yourself you have to discipline yourself you don't become a great athlete if you don't train and you don't discipline yourself and that's the same thing in god's word if you don't train yourself and you're not disciplined you won't you won't feel the victory you'll feel in that place where this is pulling at me see i don't get consumed with that you know because no weapon formed against me shall prosper i'm more than a conqueror through christ jesus through christ jesus it didn't say it 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 didn't say it wouldn't prosper over you. It said it wouldn't form, you know, against you, you know, and that's what we, I mean, that's what we deal, deal with, you know, it's not going to, I mean, it's going to form against you, but it will not prosper over your life. I said that wrong. That's what I meant to say. It's not going to prosper over your life because you don't get caught up into the foolishness. And I think that's where everybody needs to know who you are. You need to know who you are in Christ. And so many people don't know who they are in Christ. They assume I'm a Christian. I go to church, but I go to church and I don't do anything, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to, to feel myself. You know, I just go to church on Sunday, and that's what happens to so many people. God is every day. I wake up every day, and I worship God, and I spend time in his word or doing something, you know, that's going to help me stay focused on the purpose of my creation and what God brought me here for. Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life, the new book by Daryl Strawberry. Daryl, I, I got to ask you at the beginning of the journey— uh, for you, the journey in your faith, because you know you go from you go from leaving the Mets, you go to the Dodgers for a couple of years, you go through injuries, you have a suspension, uh, you kind of have a nice little rebirth towards the end of your uh, end of your career with the Yankees and winning a, a couple more World Series. But the problem was, is that you also hit a couple of stumbling blocks, which were which were colon cancer, and you had two bouts with it. Was that the beginning of the the process, and it was just a matter of a, a tying up a couple of loose ends by the time you were able to uh, kind of right your own ship? Or, like, what was the process? Did you have a rock bottom that led you to the beginning of this journey? Well, I think everybody has a rock bottom when you get tired of sin. You know, it's, you know, sin, for the wages of sin is death. 
and people don't realize that that's what keeps us separated. And I, I was a sinner. I was a heathen sinner, womanizer, alcoholic, drug addict. I was living a life separated from God. And we all know that we, when we are living a life separated from God, we can't, we can't fool ourselves, you know, we, because we can fool others, but we can't fool ourselves that we're separated. And when you know you're separated, either you're going to make a commitment, either you're going to be pers- persistent to go after God, or either you're going to surrender yourself. And if you don't, you're going to still be in the same place. You know, the flesh always want what the flesh want. So, you know, after all those years of playing baseball and going through and having the trials and tribulations at the end of my life, I got to a place to realize that I didn't want to live a sinful life anymore. And when I finally decided that I was going to stop, I needed someone to help me. You can't stop living a sinful life unless Jesus Christ is Lord over your life. And I think too many people don't understand that part. You know, it is my sinful life that will eventually kill me and it kills everybody at the end of the day. And that's what is so important in the Bible for us to go back to. We all are sinners that will be saved by grace when I really, really, truly walk with Jesus every day, not just on a Sunday, not when just I feel good, but every day. So I got that in my life for the last 20 years or so to walk with, start walking with Jesus. And I've never looked back. I've been so happy. I don't look back over the baseball career. I don't look at the trophies. I don't look at none of it. I look at who I am every day that I get up. How can I do kingdom work for my father? Because a lot of people feel that there's that fear of what's coming next when you're especially a professional athlete and somebody who has has to deal with injuries and has to retire early. I mean, not that you retired early. You spent 17 good years in the big leagues. And, you know, some guys can't can't even get half of that. Some guys maybe just a cup of coffee in the big leagues. And, you know, you had this nice long career, but there's still that fear of what am I going to do next after it all comes to an end? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to, I don't want to say entertain myself, but how am I going to be around? Because, you know, the, the average age for the normal person is 65, 70 years old. They're retiring. You're, re- you're retiring almost half of that time. And you get guys like in the, you know, in the NFL, Calvin Johnson j- retires at 29 and some guys that they don't know what to come, uh, what was coming next. Was there a little bit of that anxiety that went into this where, okay, my career is done. We're entering a new millennium right now. How, how am I going to spend the rest of my life? Am I going to be in and out of drug dens, getting cocaine, getting whatever the case is, or am I going to live a more fulfilling life that by the time it is my time, by the time God tells me my time is up that I need to have this a more fulfilling life like what how was that thought process around that time well it's always hard for anybody I mean, your career doesn't last forever and your and nothing lasts forever not even us the career is just a part of who you are it doesn't define it doesn't define your destiny you know and I think too many people get caught up in that and you know look at careers and and athletes and people who have it all and think you know, well, they have it all together. Well, there's a there's a part of your life that if you don't uh, fulfill those promises over your life for everybody coming to coming to a place and, and knowing God and walking with God, you're just living, you know, and people need to understand there's he- heaven and heaven and hell. It's a real place, you know, and people need to understand you, you don't get just get into heaven. Everybody says, oh, you're going to get into heaven. No, that's not not the way the Bible is. You know, I had to read it for myself to understand that, that hell is a real place, that Satan himself wants people with him. And if people don't 
take notes from when God is speaking and when he's speaking through other people and, and channels and telling them, this is the way, this is the way, this is, regardless of how much you achieve from an earthly standpoint, it means nothing from a kingdom standpoint. And none of, and none of this is going with you. And I've, I've buried my mother and my sister. Nothing went with them. They house and they closed and none of that went with them. And everybody needs to understand that, you know, nothing is going with you. This is earthly stuff here. And you got to get to your, you got to get back to yourself to understand who am I and what is my purpose. And it's far greater than just what we do in the natural from having a job or being an athlete. And I think, you know, I think I'm so satisfied that I understand that today. I didn't understand that when I was making millions of dollars and living a famous life, you know, I, I was on my way to hell, you know, but, but because of grace, I get saved. And now my home is in heaven and I'm looking forward to getting to heaven one day. You know, obviously I won't have you make uh, name names because it, with AA or NA with being anonymous, but uh, have you had former teammates and uh, others reach out to you saying like you, you figured it out. Daryl Strawberry figured out this life, figured out that there's more to life than being a ball player and the and the, the babes and the booze and, and all the nightlife and everything. You know, have you had a really good response from some of your old teammates that, you know, in a lot of ways, especially that the 86 Mets were uh, kind of a, a, an interesting team when it came to a lot of this stuff. Did any of them reach out to you and say, look, if you can figure it out, can you please help me figure myself out? No, they haven't. They don't know what to believe. You know, uh, they just still watch it from a distance because most of them probably thought it was just a phase. Uh, you know, when I started started on this journey, like a little over 18 years ago, where I started that I was going to be walking with God. And, you know, they kind of like said, well, we'll see how long this will last. But none of them have said anything, you know, and what is it for them to say? You know, I haven't looked back. There's nothing back there. I'm not I'm not concerned about baseball. I'm not always around a baseball park. I'm not trying to get a baseball job. You know, I, I've been away from baseball for a very long time and I got involved in ministry and I, I'm, I'm happy and content with what God has called me to do. And so, you know, I wish them the best. I'm not, I'm no better than them. I could just imagine what they're thinking, you know, that, you know, maybe it is real, you know, he's, he's never came back. He's never came back to the lifestyle. He doesn't talk about it and he's moved on. So, you know, hopefully um, some of the, some of them, uh, you grab a hold of it and God get a hold of their heart and, you know, change their life, you know, make it for the better. I mean, that's, that's, that's what my hope is. You know, my hope is not to condemn anybody. I just made a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus and Jesus alone. I don't need anything else. I don't need anybody to, you know, pat me on my back and tell me, you know, how good I am. I, I'm, I'm thankful for the grace and mercy that he gives is freely given. And, you know, but we have to make a commitment to come and receive it. How's the relationship with the family? You're, obviously, your son played in the NBA as well. Uh, what part of those things of getting getting back on track, getting clean, getting sober, is making amends part of the twelve step program and uh, whatever program anyone else is uh, using? How has that been to try to maybe repair? Like maybe they saw dad as, you know, dad was was this person and now he's this person. How has that uh, process been? My relationship is incredible. I mean, the healing process, you know, me getting healed brought uh, complete healing to my kids and everything and restoration to my entire family. And, you know, God just does it all, you know, and for anyone that's in recovery, trying to get to that healing process, it does happen. You know, you can't get free, you know, you can get free from stop from using, but you got to go a little deeper 
to get the rest of the healing part in and everybody else, you know, because they have to see that you, you, you're sincere about who you are and, and not the same person. So I think so many people stay stuck, you know, in the same place and, you know, um, and they don't really, they don't really follow God's ways. You know, they follow their own ways and that's their right. You know, even people, you know, for the program, you know, that's their right to follow your own ways, but I didn't want to be, that way anymore i needed a deeper healing so i went and got god so because i didn't want to be having to go around and sleeping with girls anymore and saying you know you know i i'm a new person but you know i still live this life you know in these programs and stuff like that so i went to church and got delivered from a, a, a lot of things god delivered me from and set me free and set me on a different different platform to do different things and i'm grateful for it forever Final question I'll ask you, Daryl, I'll let you go, is uh, uh, looking at the way Major League Baseball is right now, and I know, and what's refreshing about you is that you're not looking back and looking at it in the form of how somebody would look at their high school days or whatever, like, oh, you know, back in my day, the glory days or whatever. You're looking ahead, and that's what's really refreshing. But do you occasionally turn on, a, watch a baseball game and see these guys who are getting these mega contracts, and you know, but they're, they're hitting 220? And sure, they'll hit 45 home runs in a season and, you know, 130 RBIs, but they're not hitting the ball well. Do you ever look at that and get frustrated? Because you were a guy who was a five-tool player, and you were one of the best in the league and, in my opinion, should have been the 1988 MVP. Um, But do you ever look at that and you say, you know, I don't want to say you live with regret, but but do you put yourself in the position of, man, imagine if I was playing right now. No, I don't. I mean, and I really don't. I, I got over that, and I'm glad that I got over it because a lot of people can't get over it, and they look at these guys, and they look at them, and their contracts, and they say, well, this, this, that. Well, yeah, it's a different time. You know, somebody may open the door for me to get a big contract, so we open the doors for other players to get a contract, and they keep opening doors. And, yeah, you, are the players different? Are they just, you know, different compared to what we are yeah i mean are they hitting you know 30 40 home runs driving they doing the same thing we did yeah back in the days you know but are they are they having an impact are you an impact player consistently and i i just think in my days of playing you know i, I was an impact player that i could win a game with one swing and you know i could do something you know i could steal a base i can go first to third first to home i think the little things are are different you know i've seen from time to time when I see a game and a lot of players are not fundamentally sound guys can't even bunt guys can't even get guys over get guys in they do a shift you can't even hit the ball the other way to drive it in so you know that that can cost you because everybody's trying to be the home run hitter you know and they always think the home run is the show because you get a lot of cheers when you hit a home run but you know everybody has to realize you're a certain certain player you play a certain way you do your job a certain way and be content with that and you know that's what i think is the difference in the game today there's a lot of players not content with who they are they want to be something just a little bigger than what they need to be 335 career home runs and even 1000 rbis eight-time all-star four-time world series champion a rookie of the year and uh you know you look at some of those accolades but what's most important is what you've been able to do after your career and uh your the name of the book again is turn your season around how god transforms your life also go check out a couple of the other books you have straw and don't give up on me daryl this was fantastic it's a great conversation best of luck with the book and 
Uh, I mean, hey, one of these times I'll have to, uh, you know, I'll have to talk to you sometime in person next time I'm a little further into the Midwest. I may be in Ohio, but uh, once I get around there after the pandemic and, uh, you know, if uh, best of luck with this book and I'm, I'm sure you probably have enough material for a fourth one. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, one day, hopefully, we'll get through this one. <laughs> Thanks Take so care. much, Daryl. This is great. Right. I'm with uh, somebody who is a name for so many years, so many decades in the NBA world. Uh, he's a two-time NBA champion. He's been a co- uh, gotten into the world of coaching. He was a uh, coach of the year as well. And uh, uh, we're going to talk. Well, I'll ask him a little bit about that a little bit later. But uh, there's some bigger issues going on with him as far as his health after his playing career and his coaching career. And I'm joined here by Don Cheney. And uh, Don, uh, good to have you on here this morning. But uh, talk to us a little bit about this. Uh, your health since you've been a, a coach and you've gotten out of the coach coaching realm. It's, uh, it's called transthyretin uh, amyloid cardiomyopathy. Have I, have I got that right? Am I anywhere close to yeah, that? that? That's correct. And, and, and uh-huh. talk to us about a little, little bit about that. Uh, yes. Well, I, I started experiencing the frequent heart-related symptoms and palpitations and uh, shortness of breath, fatigue. Uh, so I went to see a doctor, you know, about it because my mom and my grandmother both died of heart disease. So I was worried, you know, I may be facing the same thing as them. Yeah. Uh, so I had some tests and procedures done and found out that I, ha- I did have heart disease. And I was a little bit surprised at that because I've always kept myself in pretty good condition. But what I didn't know was that I had this rare heart condition called ATTR, uh, CM. And uh, that that's where I am today in, in, in managing that. So it wasn't necessarily that you weren't taking care of yourself. This is just a hereditary thing. Yes, it, it is. Um, it is a hereditary, uh, uh, actually an abnormal gene, um, and is passed down from family member to family member. Um, and uh, this particular um, disease itself, it, it comes in two types. Uh, the ATTRCM comes in two types, the wild type and the hereditary type, and I have, happen to have the hereditary type, um, which uh, is... Uh, passed down, uh, you know, from, from um, brothers to sisters and, and, and your children. So it's, uh, it's a disease that affects uh, mostly the African-American community uh, at a totally disproportionate rate. And that's one of the reasons why I want to get the message out to African-Americans especially because it's a disease that mimics a regular heart condition, but uh, uh, at the same time, it's a hereditary thing that you can pass on to your children. You were able to catch it at a, you know, before it was too late, obviously, but what are some of the warning signs for, for especially young African-Americans who are uh, dealing with this and that they may have it in their family? Like, when, is there a warning sign? Is there a wake-up call? Or is there something that it's just frequent checkups with the doctor to make sure that uh, they can catch this on time? Well, I think checking with the doctor is very important, but I, I had uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, I had uh, knee pain, and, uh, you know, with carpal tunnel syndrome, you have numbness and tingling in the fingers and things like that, swelling. I had swelling in my knees, swelling in my ankles and my feet, and uh, I went to see a cardiologist about that, and those are the symptoms of this particular disease. I think it's very important for anyone who uh, 
find that they either have a heart disease in the family or they've been diagnosed with uh, with heart failure and they have these symptoms to really seek out uh, a cardiologist and, and discuss these symptoms with them and all the symptoms, doesn't matter how minute you think they are, to, uh, to make sure that you get the correct diagnosis. And so uh, where can we go for more information if we want to find out a little bit more uh, people in you know, any kind of community that just want to raise that kind of awareness as you are doing now? Yeah, well, I have a website, uh, and it's, it's Don, uh, it's Your Heart's Message with Don.com. And in this, you, you can have, uh, you can, you, you'll see a video of me explaining uh, this particular disease and how I'm coping with it, uh, and uh, signs and symptoms and things like that. And also, it gives you kind of a, a, a feel for how to express your symptoms to the doctor and things like that, because especially from the African-American community, first of all, we don't go to doctors like we should, but when we get there, we don't explain all our symptoms the, the correct way, because I think if you make sure you, you explain all your symptoms, you can get the correct diagnosis. A- ATT, so it's uh, ATTR-CM, and Don Cheney is joining me right now. How are you managing uh, this uh, this diagnosis and this what you've had, and especially during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, well, you know, I, naturally that that also is very special because uh, with this particular illness, it attacks your heart, and uh, if I were to somehow uh, catch uh, the COVID-19 virus, it could be definitely fatal to me because uh, of my condition. But I, I'm coping with it. I'm I'm dealing with my cardiologist on a on a consistent basis. Um, we have a dialogue going, and I have a great caregiver in my wife Jackie who makes sure that uh, I take my medication and. I, I make sure I explain all my symptoms to my doctor. So we are managing very well, and, and I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I uh, I have hobbies, and uh, of course I can't uh, run and, and do things I used to do, but uh, I'm, I'm enjoying my life in, in my retirement years. Are you still watching the NBA? Still watching and still paying attention to yes. you know abbreviated last season, but uh, still paying attention, liking uh, some what you've been seeing lately. Yeah, it's exciting. The game has changed, of course. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a game for, for entertainment, really. Uh, you know, and the three-point shot and the, 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 the talent of the player and the level of the talent of the players are, are exciting because uh, you have seven-footers who are able to put the ball on the floor and shoot three-point shots and things like that. You just don't have uh, the post-up game anymore, and those things have changed. But the game is exciting, and the game is form now for entertainment and the fans are enjoying it and I don't know if I could coach the game today but uh, uh, it's, 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 it's developed for entertainment and you know that that's what they're getting out of it and the fans are following up on it. Yeah you've coached Hall of Famers like Grant Hill and Hakeem Olajuwon and uh, I, I'm thinking to myself if you were coaching the Houston Rockets right now or wherever James Harden feels like he wants to play now just I can imagine somebody like Don Chaney who, who grew up who was a NBA two-time NBA champion guard and having to having to coach somebody like uh, James Harden with that step back jumper and putting up yeah. 40 points per game I mean those are stats he's putting up stats offensively that were comparative of guys that you saw at your level when you played yeah he, he's an exceptional player I mean he's uh, and I've seen him play being in Houston I've seen him play a lot 
He's a very talented player, and he changed the game. He's a game changer, no question about that. Uh, he has an unbelievable consistency from the three-point line. And what uh, a lot of people don't understand is he's a great passer as well. He can draw fouls and get to the basket very well. So he's a guy that you can build a team around. And I'm just a little bit worried, though, right now. He's a little dissatisfied in, in, in the circumstance. He wants to lead the, the team which surprises me because he's on a winning team and they could still contend for a championship. So I don't know what's going on there, but I would hate to see him leave. The last thing I'll ask you, Don, is uh, the guard play that has changed in the NBA over time, where the it's now, it's basically the perimeter game that you saw when you coached Olajuwon is that 18-foot jump shot, that mid-range game is kind of gone. It's now being replaced. It's just their plays run as three-pointers, as we saw last few years with the Warriors and the Splash Brothers and everything. And now it's basically, if it's not a dunk, and with analytics as well, if it's not a dunk or a three-pointer, it's almost like there's almost no way reason to take that 20-foot shot that's only going to count for one less point than yeah. if you stood back a couple of steps. Right. Oh, I agree. And, uh, you know, these guys, though, the one thing about three-point shot uh, by today's game is that they're consistent with it. So they, they're shooting that three-point shot like this. This is a foot shot now. They, they're very consistent with it. Um, just that uh, you mentioned being a point guard and things like that. Your point guard duties are limited now. You don't, you don't have the, the, the heavy load to carry because the game has totally been simplified. Yeah, it's, and it's definitely coming from, you're seeing it at the high school level, and even before that, you're seeing fifth graders go, like, I want to shoot jump shots like Steph Curry. I'm going to make three-pointers. And you go, <laughs> hey, you got to learn right. the fundamentals first, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think that's, to me, that's the diminishing part of the game itself, the fundamental end of it. You know, I mean, uh, you know, guys are working on three-point shot and things like that more than just the basics. Although they are very talented these days and more athletic, and, uh, you know, the game has changed. So I think everything evolves, you know, differently from from, uh, year to year. But uh, I, I just think the game is exciting, and the game was developed and the rules were put in for entertainment, and that's where it is now at every level, not just a professional level. Don, as much as I'd love to see you coach out there, your health is more important. So you take care of yourself. You stay healthy, especially during this time uh, in the pandemic and everything. Uh, one, uh, one more time, uh, more information, uh, just a, a little bit more on uh, ATTR-CM. Yes. I, I have a website, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, it, it's um, – is your heart's message with Don dot com, and on this website is a video of me explaining my uh, my symptoms and my disease and how I'm, I'm managing it, and also can give you information on uh, when you speak to a doctor things that you, you make uh, get the correct diagnosis and and tell them all about your symptoms and things like that. So it would help you tremendously uh, just to tune into that. Well, you take you take care of yourself, and this is uh, great to talk to you. Have Merry Christmas, and uh, have a good new year, and stay well. Thank you very much.